In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Over at the Metropolitan Museum of Art on the second floor, if you go up the stairs, make a left and then another left, in one of the Italian galleries there, there are four paintings by an early 15th century painter, sort of late Gothic, early Renaissance work. Uh, The painter goes by the name Lorenzo Monaco, basically Lorenzo the Monk. Um, and he was a member of the Camaldolese order. So it's always interesting, I think, to think of a, a religious monk who also painted. Um, what I like about the four portraits is they're the kind of, of paintings you can see in a museum. And if you look at them, you can figure out who is portrayed by the object they're holding. You see a patriarch from the Hebrew scriptures holding the Ten Commandments, and you know that's Moses. A little trickier is another patriarch with um, a much younger boy at his side. That's Abraham with Isaac. If you know the tradition that King David composed and wrote many of the Psalms, then you're not shocked when you see the other patriarch with a beard is is holding a harp or a zither. It's David. And then there's Noah. Noah is painted there. What would you expect Noah to be holding? Um, Maybe to be pictured with a couple of animals, or the dove at least, or maybe the rainbow, surely the ark. No, instead, Noah is holding a building with a pointed roof and a very simple, plain building, but with one door and one window. Noah is holding a building that's meant to represent the church. The ark is the church. In the scriptures, it's First Peter who links Noah's Ark with the church explicitly. Um, Peter writes, just as Noah's wooden Ark saved people by bringing them through water into new life, in much the same way, the church saves people by the wood of Christ's cross and the waters of baptism, bringing us to new life. The early church fathers and mothers built on this imagery and and many began to see architecture as representing an ark or a ship. And so buildings like this one would create a ceiling like this. And it doesn't take much imagination to imagine it as, as the bottom side of a ship sort of turned upside down. This long stretch of the church is called the nave. It comes from the Latin word navis, meaning ship. (laughs) Some have suggested that the flying buttresses at a a Gothic cathedral like Notre Dame or even our two flying buttresses could be imagined as oars stretching out of the ship. That might be stretching it a bit. But you get the idea that the church can be understood a little like the Ark of Noah, as carrying us in safety through this world of of storms and danger into the future with God. 
All of this talk of Noah, of course, springs from the gospel where Jesus wants us to think about Noah, to look at Noah and especially be like Noah in our faith. I doubt many people in Jesus' day spent a lot of energy trying to figure out whether Noah was a literal person or not, or whether he built a literal ship or ark or not. They didn't think that way, nor should we. The point is much larger. Noah heard from God and got an idea, and a lot of people looked at Noah and thought he was crazy. But Noah kept that idea, and he began to to move into that plan with God's holy nudge. Once Noah came to terms with this, he did what he could, even though everyone thought he was crazy. Preparations are made, they're put into place, but then it's time to wait. And I think that's a part of what Jesus is pointing to. Noah's ability to wait in faith. We don't know how long it must have been between the time when Noah got the idea from God of what he should do and then his waiting for the first rain to fall. It probably took longer than we can imagine. We may have never been asked to build an ark or do anything quite that dramatic, but it might be that we, we too have gotten an idea or a message or an urging from God that felt just as insane to the others around us, maybe even to ourselves. We hear from God, go to that new city. Uh, try a relationship with that person. Try this field of study or field of work. Go in this new direction. If we've ever felt God's holy nudge, then we can remember that sense of God's presence there at the beginning. But then it's time to wait before long. We wonder, did did we miss here? Where is God now? God got us started and now God seems to have stepped back and we're on our own. That's the tricky place. And so we stand in faith with Noah. Is the rain coming? Is there really going to be a flood? And then is it going to stop? Are we going to stop somewhere? Is there going to be life after this? God seems to reveal each chapter to Noah in its own good time. And so God does to us as well. This season of Advent is one where Jesus welcomes us to this space, this time, this kind of holy waiting room where we've, we've been with God to bring us to a place, but then we're there and things can begin to get scary. We're vulnerable in this waiting place. But the season of Advent invites us to practice waiting, to practice in prayer, to practice together, to practice in song, to practice waiting and watching The church invites us this season to these practices. Advent is not another Lent where we're uh, invited to go deep into various spiritual disciplines, but we might pick up one or two as a means of survival in this frenetic season or as a means of drawing more closely into God's presence. 
I don't know about you, but I begin this first Sunday of Advent already a little bit tired. Not so much from Thanksgiving, but from the the incessant theme of the day. It's Black Friday, and then local business Saturday. And tomorrow is Cyber Monday, and then there's Giving Tuesday, and on and on and on, and I feel like I'm left behind, I'm not getting the discounts I ought to, I'm not in line at the place where I need to be, on and on and on. It's not even Christmas, and I haven't, I've failed. Uh, Maybe this season invites me to unplug a little bit, to breathe. Uh, to revisit a prayer that maybe I once knew and have gotten rusty about. At this morning's 10 o'clock hour, Helen Gooden began leading us on a, a close reading of Matthew and Luke, looking at what each says about the birth of Jesus. She's teased us by calling it, Where Are the Camels? But there are a lot of other questions. Who were the wise men? Why do we call them kings? Why does Mary play such a a big role in Luke, but not in Matthew? On and on and on. These are questions we can explore together, alone. We've got a whole month ahead before Christmas. The liturgy of Advent helps us to recall that first coming of Christ, where uh, God comes into the world in the form of a little baby named Jesus, Our prayers and the music and the liturgy of the season also point to that second coming, that that last coming, that may be as dramatic as movies and fiction imagine it, or as simple as Jesus talks about it, where we're going about our ordinary work and our days are ended and a new reality begins. But Jesus calls us also to live in that in-between time, Over and over again, when the kingdom of God is mentioned, Jesus says, don't look backwards and imagine some golden era, some perfect time or place where God was even more fully alive and present with us. Don't look back there and don't anticipate the future where fill in the blank is accomplished and there's some perfect new reality. But be present where you are with with who you are. Jesus invites us into the, the holy now. He says through the scriptures, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Elsewhere, Jesus says the kingdom of God is very near you. And then in Luke's gospel, he names it outright. The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, lo, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And so if the kingdom of God is within each one of us, that's where we begin to find it. And then we notice it in one another, and we share it, and the kingdom grows. In today's gospel, Jesus cautions that we should be ready not to go up on a hill somewhere and wait, but to be ready wherever we are, whatever we're doing, to notice, to breathe, to listen, to look, and to be present. Noah carried people and animals to safety in God's good grace and time. The Blessed Virgin Mary also, like an ark, 
carried Jesus for nine months and delivered him safely. And Jesus, through the church, carries us through the waters of baptism, through desert dry places, through enemy territory, even through long, slow periods of intense waiting. But Christ carries us through this life and into the next. May the season of Advent bless us all. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.